And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This episode is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM. Dot com using the promo code the athletic pod hello everyone welcome to the big football show a podcast by the athletic about big 10 football today is wednesday november 24th and this is scott doctorman and i write mostly about iowa today i'm joined by mitch sherman who covers nebraska for us here at the athletic mitch how are you doing this week uh, entering thanksgiving i'm doing well scott it's a it's a nice week here in nebraska i know you're you're headed our way soon uh we've had we had some uh 60s and, and even 70 degree temps uh early this week I don't, I don't know that we'll be quite as lucky on black friday but uh i'll take it for late november it was uh pretty cold about a week and a half ago now it's it's not too bad it's in the 50s we're okay here in iowa but uh i guess i'll be heading south southwest <laughs> uh, to see you and uh tomorrow afternoon uh, on thanksgiving itself i hope uh the state troopers are enjoying their uh, Thanksgiving dinner as I head across Western Iowa. But uh, I guess uh, first and foremost, uh, the fourth edition of the uh, the uh, you know I guess the the, the playoff pairings t- just took place, yes. and uh, just kind of wanting to know what your thoughts are on that, and uh, what do you think of Ohio State jumping Alabama? Yeah, not surprised. Um, you know, I think the committee. Um, was true to to what it sets out to do in, in taking an evaluation on a week by week basis of these these teams. I mean, clearly Ohio State, with what it's done the past couple of weeks, has looked like one of the best two teams in the country. And Alabama, you know, while it continues to win, has not done so in the same kind of dominant fashion that Ohio State has, especially last week when when the Buckeyes just took Michigan State out behind the woodshed. That was. Uh, um, you know, maybe not entirely unexpected that Ohio State won in, in decisive fashion, um, but I was a bit in awe of, of what, what Ohio State was doing. As I watched that game in Madison as I got myself ready to go over to Camp Randall Stadium and see another uh, one-score Nebraska loss, and uh, it, was, it was a sight to behold. I, I feel like Ohio State has come a long way in, in just the short time since I saw the Buckeyes in Lincoln a few weeks ago. And, you know, that's the team I want to see play Georgia, honestly, at the, at the end of this whole thing. Um, and that's what it comes down to. We're looking for the two best teams to play in the championship game. That's why the playoff uh, is designed the way that it is. And, and right now, um, as we get to Thanksgiving, we're, I know we're going to see Georgia, Alabama. So that's that's great. We're going to see it next week. The game I want to see above all else is Ohio State, Georgia. And, and you know, I think we're going to get it. I think that those two teams are are strong enough. Um, and, and, and sitting above the rest of the country. No offense to Cincinnati. You know, we're mentioning Alabama. You can never count out the Crimson Tide. But I think we're going to get that Georgia-Ohio State game at the end. I think you're right. And uh, truly this year, though, we do have uh, the game. And uh, that yes. is uh, Ohio State-Michigan. Uh, last year, if they would have played, I, I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that I think Ohio State might have won by 70 points. Uh, this yeah. year, I think it's going to be a different game, obviously. I think when you have uh, Michigan, who is now uh, you know ranked fifth and pretty solidly, uh, you know, has done a lot of really good things. And I think there was some question as to whether or not they might even actually be fourth. But I think the committee, uh, for being the wiser, decided to put them fifth because it really doesn't matter. If they win, they're going to move up. And if they don't, then, well, who cares? Uh, you might as well end the outrage and allow Cincinnati to be in the top four. <laughs> so you don't have everybody shooting arrows at them again for a week. Uh, but how do you see this matchup breaking down? You saw both in person. Uh, they're both 
competitive games. Um, they both were in Lincoln. Um, so how yeah. do you think that this game plays out? Yeah, Michigan and Ohio State came to Lincoln this year in that crazy schedule that Nebraska's played, and and Wolverines got out with a thirty-two to twenty-nine victory. It was it was uh, a late fumble by Adrian Martinez that turned the tide in that game. Nebraska was was driving with a chance to win it. And then Ohio State that was that was the the worst loss of the year for Nebraska, twenty-six to seventeen. Nine points is the largest margin that uh, any opponent has beaten Nebraska by in this in this bizarre eight-loss season. And, you know, Ohio State had control of that game throughout. Um, there were opportunities for Nebraska that were missed, but um, that, that was, I think, uh, a little dip for the Buckeyes before um, they then have gone on this rise. And Garrett Wilson was out for that game. Um, so you saw instead of a three-headed monster for Ohio State at receiver, it was just two with Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And uh, Smith and Jigba had, had a huge game, 200-plus uh, receiving yards, that day in Lincoln, um, kind of his coming out party and his numbers are, are, uh, you know, even more impressive than, than the older guys, Olave and, and Wilson this year, in part because of that day that he enjoyed at Nebraska, but it made, that made the Buckeyes a little easier to defend. Um, not easy, but a little more manageable to depend, to defend, uh, when the Huskers went against them, because it, it wasn't three guys who could beat you on any play who were running around your secondary. It was at one time, it was just two, um, Michigan does not get that luxury on Saturday in Ann Arbor. Um, it will be all three plus all of the other weapons like Travion Henderson and, you know, CJ Stroud uh, has elevated himself to, to the, to the role of, of Heisman front runner right now going into the last week of the regular season. So uh, Michigan is, is going to have its hands full defensively. Um, and that is, is, is an understatement. You know, I, I, Scott, I'm interested in your opinion on this. It's been so interesting for me to watch Michigan this year go from a two-win season uh, in, in that shortened 2020 campaign to now 10 wins. And really, despite being ranked where the Wolverines are in the in the CFP poll, um, there's not a lot of buzz because they lost to Michigan State and they haven't played Ohio State. It seems like the entire season, everything that Michigan has done this year is riding and dependent on this game Saturday. You get that Good feeling? Question. Yeah, absolutely. And it always does. And the one the one difference between now and then is you have with with Michigan, it's always it's always about Ohio State, you know, and and to get to this game, they need to win it one of these years. And but, you know, it's weird because you look at Jim Harbaugh before the season, we're talking about him getting fired about this being his last year. He worked, reworked his contract. And then to go from two wins to 10, and last year as pathetic as they looked at times and to kind of opt out of the season more than anything else late. I, I mean, Jim Harbaugh in most years, if his name wasn't Jim Harbaugh and if he wasn't coaching Michigan, he'd probably be Big Ten Coach of the Year. Uh, you know, but at Michigan, you don't get that luxury. Um, just like at Ohio State, you don't get it either. And so I think right now with, what I'm looking at with them is they've – their schedule hasn't been overly challenging and it's not really their fault. I mean, they tried to bulk it up. They went, they played Washington. They thought that was going to be a good game. Well, Washington's terrible. Uh, the, the, within the big 10, um, you know, they beat Penn state in a very close, tough game. Penn state's a good team, not necessarily a great team. It's not ranked right now. Uh, they, they had a what 30 to 14 lead on their in-state rival, Michigan state. And then they let Kenneth Walker have a, uh, a borderline Heisman moment with five touchdowns. And, and so I think really it all boils down to this and, and nobody's buying into Michigan anymore. I think we've ever since about 2016, when they came that one inch away from beating Ohio state, that they're kind of the, the team that everybody's going, okay, I think this is their year. I think this is their year. And every year they get butchered by Ohio state. So I think everybody's just kind of waiting and saying, okay, let's, let's give them, let's see what happens before I buy in. And, and that's kind of where they sit right now. And, and in this matchup, as you mentioned with Ohio state, Ohio state has so many weapons that it's going to be really hard for them to control all of them. Uh, those receivers are, are just tremendous. Um, you could probably put any one of the three on, on an All-American team, and it's going to be hard for more than two to get on any of them. But I think what scares me the most for Michigan is, isn't that, even though that's going to, they're going to create some big plays, it's the running game. I think Trayvon Henderson's outstanding. And seeing what they did to Kenneth Walker, I think that he's got a chance to get crazy. On the flip side, though, 
I like Michigan's running attack against Ohio State's run defense. So I think Michigan's going to put up some points. I think they're going to control the line of scrimmage on that side of the ball. I just don't know that they can keep up touchdown for touchdown, drive for drive with the Buckeyes. I, I think they can get to 31 points, but I look at Ohio State and I think, all right, you're going to get in the mid-40s probably. Yeah, Michigan's defense is going to have to be opportunistic, more than just, just solid. I mean, you're not going to go out and, and shut down Ohio State. They're going to get their points. Um, you can't go toe-to-toe with them. It's going to have to be a situation, I think, where Michigan gets some turnovers. And, and you know, maybe the opportunity is there with, with Stroud. Um, you know, he has been unflappable for the most part in, in this first year as a starter. I mean, some, some, some shaky moments, absolutely against Oregon early and even against Minnesota in that opener, um, you know, he, he wasn't as sharp as I know they would like him to be, but that was his, that was his debut. And, and this is a, a long way from that, but you know, you, you look at this environment in the big house with, with, you know, so much on him. And now with the Heisman talk, I wonder, I mean, it's a moment for him. To, we'll see, you know, is he up to this challenge? And even if he is not by just a little bit, if there's just, if there's just a, a, a little bit of a, of a, of a break in, in his stride, maybe Michigan can take advantage of that and get a couple of picks because I think that's what it's going to take to keep Michigan in this game and make this one of those, you know, classic uh, Michigan, Ohio state games. Th- those, those are just like the greatest moments um, in, in, in any college football season when, a game like Michigan, Ohio State ends up uh, through decided by three points or, or, you know, three in the balance um, with, with three or four minutes to play a game like, or, or, you know, in Auburn, Alabama, which we're also getting on Saturday. So, you know, I hope we get that. I hope, I hope Michigan finds a way to close that gap um, in talent and, and make this thing even. And we get to the fourth quarter because obviously these two teams are playing for a lot more, than just the opportunity to go represent the East Division in the Big Ten Championship game next week. This is about being one win away from the college football playoff. For either one of these teams, whichever one wins, they're on the doorstep. They're in a, they're in a quarterfinal, essentially, uh, next week in Indy. So, um, you know, I want to follow up on one thing you said about Harbaugh um, and, and, you know, how you said in, in a normal year, he would be getting run for Big Ten Coach of the Year. Hey, here's your opportunity. If he wins on Saturday, he's the Big Ten Coach of the Year. You know, forget about Mel Tucker and all of the greatness that 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 he's that he's put out this year. You just lost fifty six to seven to the Buckeyes. You know, PJ Fleck has done impressive things at times. I think I think Paul Christ and the turnaround that Wisconsin has has made since September is 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 amazing. But uh, if if Harbaugh gets this thing done on Saturday. He's the Big Ten Coach of the Year, don't you think? He should be, but you know, as we know, with, with voting, sometimes things change. <laughs> you know that sometimes uh, voting is done in advance, and it's always kind of the the underdog philosophy when it comes to to Coach of the Year. And and I, I would say Jeff Brom deserves some praise there. I would say yes. Kirk Ferentz does. Uh, yes. You know, if Iowa wins this week, they'll have their sixth. 10 win regular season in school history. That's uh, you know now granted going from number two in the country to two unranked losses, uh, you know, really stripped away some shine on that season, but 10 wins is, is a big deal. So, uh, but I think Harbaugh just where they were last year to where they are now, it's really impressive. And, uh, but yeah, if you can go into, if you, well, it's in the big house, but if you can beat Ohio state and knock them out of the playoff, put yourself in a position where you can get in with a win in Indianapolis. Yeah, I absolutely think, I mean, that's what he was brought there for to go yeah. beat the Buckeyes, go win, go win the, the Big Ten East, go win the Big Ten, go get in the playoff, be relevant nationally as a power. And they're pretty close. But, you know, I think their best punch defensively is probably a, a defensive end with Aiden Hutchison yeah. and, and uh, David Ojabu. Uh, I think they can really create some issues, um, you know, with their pass rush. They've got some good players in the back end. I don't think their linebackers are great, which will create some issues. But overall, you know, I, I think Michigan will hang. I just don't know that they can go blow for blow. I mean, offensive drive for offensive drive with an offense that explosive. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson is a monster. And it doesn't show up in the stats all the time. Watching him play after play against Nebraska in person and, and then, you know, having the chance to see Michigan on TV several times. 
you don't get a, a great sense of how dominant he is just from looking at his tackles or sacks or pressures. That guy is making life miserable on an opposing offensive line almost every single snap. So if 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 Michigan is going to get to Stroud and 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 you know cause him to to get out of his rhythm, um, you're a- absolutely right. Those those defensive ends led by Hutchinson. Um, are, are the guys who, who are, are just built to be able to do that. And I'll, I'll end on this. If you have already voted for Big Ten Coach of the Year and made your decision before watching Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa, you know, Purdue, Indiana, whatever, all the games, sorry, take, the, take your voting rights away. This is the week where, where these coaches make their, uh, make their money and uh, the, the, uh, the results should be for all Big Ten and for and for uh, Coach of the Year should should be largely uh, this should be largely factored in in those choices. No doubt. Um, I hate doing any kind of voting before the season ends, and sometimes, unfortunately, the timing doesn't measure up. But I agree with you. I mean, this is this is an important week across the board, and and we talked about you know obviously the flagship game and series of not only the Big 10 but potentially college football but there are a lot of other big important games across the the Big 10 for different reasons and uh, they stay in the east a little bit uh Michigan State got just butchered last week you know against uh Ohio State and they're a home underdog uh, against Penn State i can see this game going either way i think Penn State's a good team they just don't really have a signature type win this year this one might be it, though. I mean, I think they they have a chance to to go into East Lansing, and if and if that's the case, I mean, how much shine does it take off of Mel, what Mel Tucker has done at uh, at Michigan State, and what is that? That could really have some bowl ramifications. Not that that always seems to matter in today's world anymore, but I mean, they could go from being a New Year's Six team to the Outback or Vegas Bowl. Yeah, this is the uh, this is the giant contract bowl um, between. Uh, Michigan State and Penn State. You know, last week all of the uh, the buzz around the Big Ten was about T- Mel Tucker and the uh, the huge contract that he was about to sign before then going and losing by seven touchdowns uh, at Ohio State, and he still deserves everything that he's going to get this year. And then um, I, I, you know, honestly, I heard James Franklin's comments uh, at the uh, at the booster function a week or so ago that that he was staying and. I, I I took that as with with about it with with a giant grain of salt. You know, those kinds of things get said all the time um, at at non media events or even when when you're in a press conference. So, uh, ten years, eight point five million per year for James Franklin is the news coming out on Tuesday night out, out of State College. Um, this is uh, significant because he was a huge chip in the coaching carousel that I think a lot of people expected to, to fall this off season, whether it was USC, you know, Florida just came open. Franklin obviously has, has connections, uh, has roots in the sec, you know, LSU is open. Um, I don't know that that was a, a, you know, ever considered much of a landing spot for him, but obviously this guy was thought to be um, potentially on the move and now um, not going to happen. So uh, I think Penn state can play a little different, can play with, you know, a, a, some more pep in their step as a result of, of knowing now that they're not going to lose their coach after this season. So I, I um, you know, not solely for that reason, uh, in part based on what happened to, to uh, the Spartans last week, I think, uh, I think Penn State gets it done against, uh, against Sparty. I'm agree. I agree with you on this. Um, it's been something that's hovered over James Franklin and the program all year. And they've had some close losses. Uh, Iowa being one, Illinois was a tough one at home. I, I thought that the teams, that the team and the program and, and him were all headed for a divorce. It just seemed like that was the case based on the rhetoric. And uh, but instead, they decided to uh, uh, go to a marriage counselor and make it all work. And <laughs> so, I I'm interested to see what this means long term. You know, can Penn State get past? Um, a resurgent Michigan or an Ohio state that's continues to be a juggernaut and remain one of the powers in the East, or will they, is this just kind of a blip year or, you know, I think there's a lot of questions, big picture, because I'm not solely sold on the, the fan base completely embracing him 
And so that's really kind of fascinating to me. I think that it seemed towards maybe that everybody was just sick of the of the drama or the non-committal or or all yeah. the, the the wins, but it was just kind of almost a couple of weeks ago you kind of thought, okay, it's just going to be thanks for being here. You did a good job. Thank I'm you know, appreciate what you did for my career and both sides move on. But now that they've recommitted and significantly and, and you know, on a financial aspect, James Franklin's going to have those expectations to take Penn State to the next level. And he, had there been a 12-team playoff, he would have taken them four times, but he's taken them zero in a 14 playoff. So I think there's going to be that expectation that he takes Penn State to Indianapolis again, um, you know, and, and to get them to the playoff. And so um, I'm fascinated to see what that does because he does have the number one recruiting class in the country at, at this very moment. So I think there, there is a lot to work with at Penn State. Yeah, such an interesting storyline because, you know, it's tough sledding in the Big Ten East when you've got Ohio State just lurking there every single season. Just getting to the championship game is, is uh, it's almost as difficult, difficult as getting to the college football playoff. And, and when the playoff expands, whether it's eight or 12, I'd say it will be more of a challenge to win the Big Ten East than than to get to the college football playoff, especially if this is real uh, with what's happening at Michigan this year. And you have a resurgent Michigan program and Jim Harbaugh, you know, maybe re-upping in the, in the same way that, that Franklin has done and that, and that, and that Tucker is, is set to do. Um, that division just continues to be um, such a uh, – uh, <laughs> ridiculous challenge and uh it's it's really interesting to see that that franklin has chosen to to remain for the long term uh right in the middle of it looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What else intrigues you about the schedule this this week? I know we're going to get to Iowa, Nebraska here shortly, but um, that that Minnesota uh, hosting Wisconsin uh, on Saturday, huge implications for the Badgers. Uh, they win and they're in. It's it's simple uh, for Wisconsin to to win the West Division. Uh, you've seen both of those teams. I've seen both of those teams. How do you see that one breaking down in in Minneapolis? I actually think if there's a team in the West that could beat Wisconsin, it's Minnesota. Um, I watched them a couple weeks ago dominate really the line of scrimmage on offense for 40 minutes uh, against Iowa. Now, they didn't do a lot with it. They had a really slow tempo, which enabled them to hold the ball for 40 minutes, but they still did. Uh, they have an incredible offensive line that I think you can be very physical with the Badgers, and that's really the only way you can take it to them because if you aren't, they're going to get to you. Um, they have a really good running game. They have a quarterback that's had mixed reviews his whole entire career, but when he's good, he's very good, and when he's not good, he's very mediocre. So if you get good Tanner Morgan, uh, it could be uh, it could be a very competitive game. And and one thing, Wisconsin has completely dominated the series for almost twenty years now. But this is a very important rivalry to both teams. That and that acts as this. I, I think Floyd of Rosedale is the, the most the best rivalry trophy, but I think it's the coolest one, the axe. You know, because you get that yeah. axe, you swing it, you start taking it down to the to the goalposts, and you chop it down, and it is really important to both teams. And so, you know, Minnesota is a pretty good team. You know, they ha they hammered away at, at Ohio State earlier in the year. They had a chance against Iowa. They had just a complete colossal dump against uh, Bowling Green. I still don't know how they lost that game. But I think this is a game that's going to go four quarters. It went into overtime last year. And, and uh, you know, what one other added 
feature is, and this doesn't impact the game at all, but Mo, Mo Ibrahim decided he's coming back next year for the Gophers. So he announced that today. And I think that's really important because if he could play, you know, that might lend a little inspiration, if you will, to, to Minnesota. So uh, what's kind of funny is where I sit talking to a few players, uh, one of them, Kayvon Merriweather, starting safety. Uh, I'm like, okay, if you win on Friday, <laughs> you got you got a roof for, for Minnesota. Can you do it? He's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to wear a Minnesota hat and jersey. And I'm like, well, if you do that, let me know where you're going to go buy it. And I'll take video because you'll be the first Iowa player ever to wear those colors. But <laughs> uh, but I, I do think it's going to be a very close, hard-fought, competitive game. I like Braylon Allen a lot. Yeah, the alternative is rooting for Wisconsin, which which uh, is not. I mean, I, I know, hey, Minnesota is is uh, is a hated rival in in Iowa, but uh, it's not like Wisconsin sits in the, sits on this pedestal that that much higher. So um, I understand I understand Merriweather's sentiment entirely. Uh, he wants to get to the to the Big Ten championship, and that's hey, that's big news um, about Ibrahim for for uh, you know uh, the Big Ten in in, in 2022 because you know as as good as the backs are that we've seen around the league this year. Um, with with uh, with Walker, with Travion Henderson, um, and, and with Braylon Allen and his emergence late in the season, uh, Ibrahim is the guy at the beginning of the year that everyone looked to as as the best back in the league. And he went down, of course, in the season opener um, against the Buckeyes. So huge news for uh, for Minnesota. And this is another game where you've got a coach on uh, you know a new contract and, and PJ Fleck, um, lots of momentum. Um, for for the Gophers this season, um, despite um, you know not being as consistent as um, you know w- with an older team, um, I think Fleck would have liked. I mean, the boat sunk obviously against uh, against Bowling Green, and that continues to be a stain on the season for Minnesota. But a lot of that can be uh, washed away if if um, if Minnesota can can turn the tables on Wisconsin and, and keep Wisconsin out of the uh, out of the Big Ten championship game. Of course, that would be dependent on on Iowa, uh, taking care of business on Friday. So, um, you want to get to this, you want to get to, uh, get to black Friday in, in Lincoln. Um, you're going to be making the trek across, uh, across Iowa and Eastern Nebraska on, on Thanksgiving day. I'm situated here in, in the Omaha area, ready to go down 1230 central time kickoff at Memorial stadium. And what was the reaction in Iowa city, um, this week? I know you talked to the, uh, to the Hawkeyes on Tuesday, uh, about the news that came out of Lincoln on Monday that Adrian Martinez, Nebraska's enigmatic quarterback, who's uh, the reason that Nebraska is in all of these games and the reason, uh, in, in the opinion of many people, that Nebraska loses all of its close games. He's out. Uh, shoulder surgery, shoulder uh, injury, perhaps surgery, uh, will be required. Injury suffered at the end of the first half against Wisconsin last Saturday. So it's Logan Smothers, Nebraska's uh, freshman backup who will be uh, taking the snaps uh, at the beginning of the game on Friday. So, so how did the Hawkeyes uh, respond? Probably uh, thinking only about themselves, I, you know, and what they say publicly. But what do you think was the was the reaction from Iowa um, that Adrian Martinez will not play um, for a fourth consecutive year uh, out to start a fourth consecutive year against the Hawkeyes on Friday? think you got to parse it in different ways I think the first reaction from Iowa fans and from then the players and coaches themselves was that's too bad because I think he's earned a lot of respect from even though Iowa's won those games but they were all very close competitive hard-fought games there were two of them were by a field goal one was by last year by six points and he was in position to potentially put together a game-winning drive before he got hit uh, by Chauncey Golston Uh, so he's the one that I mean, Iowa was up, you know, in the first two games for sure, pretty big, you know, multiple touchdowns. And yet he brought them back both times. So I think it's kind of a, the first reaction from everybody was kind of that hat tip, like, Hey, what a worthy competitor. We really feel bad for him. Even Kirk Ferentz said that, Um, you know, but then I think in the back of their mind and what they tried not to let out is, huh, sweet. You know, now they got fresh meat out there, you know, a a freshman quarterback making his first start against a really good defense that takes advantage of of mistakes like no other team probably in the country. So that reaction is is, uh, self-serving, of course, and and understandable. So, uh, but 
you know, it is a shame to see Adrian Martinez this way. And he got a lot, you know, you know this better than I, of course, but it seemed like he got a lot put on his shoulders. He had a really good freshman year that he was mentioned as like a Heisman candidate, kind of the, the guy that's going to lead Frost to the promised land. And then things didn't really work out. He was kind of inconsistent. Last year, you had Scott Frost talking about Luke McCaffrey. He's going to be the, the guy to, um, you know, he's the future of this program. He got benched and then, and then Luke left and then Adrian comes back and, and to see the way he battled through those injuries. And I'm doing this from afar. You're up close was really impressive. And I think, you know, just inside conversations with people, they were impressed by his toughness, his desire to compete and what he could do when he was, when he was playing his game. So there, there's a lot of positivity for him as kind of a worthy competitor. And, uh, and I think that's, that's something that will resonate, whether this is his final college game, final game at Nebraska, or he comes back next year. Yeah, the respect for Adrian Martinez around the Big Ten is, is really notable. Um, to hear comments from Ryan Day, um, whose team has played two uh, one-score games against Martinez-led offenses at Nebraska in three years uh, or in four years, um, to, to see um, – the um, the interactions between Martinez and Pat Fitzgerald after the Nebraska Northwestern game this year in Lincoln, and between Martinez and PJ Fleck after the the Minnesota game. I mean, just to watch him walk off the field last Saturday after the Wisconsin game, his his arm, you know, is kind of hanging down. That shoulder, that right shoulder, is injured. I mean, you had like security guards coming up to him and hugging him. This is not normal. This is not the way that a quarterback going into some of these venues gets treated um, around this league, but people can see how much he has, how much he has given. He's 14 and 24 as a starting quarterback at Nebraska, yet it is, I I think is revered um, in places around the big 10 for his attitude, um, for his class, for um, just the, the, the effort and the guttiness that he has shown over the, the four years that he's played, not a lot of guys come back from being benched the way that he was last year. And it wasn't just being benched. He, he, he came back and played against Iowa last year. And that was the week where Frost, Scott Frost twice, as you mentioned, um, described Luke McCaffrey as the future of the program. Even after that game, um, Frost doubled down on that comment. And obviously a, a month later or two months later, McCaffrey was gone. Um, it is now at Rice, and there's Martinez. You know, you're you're, you're left with him, and, and he just handled the whole thing so well. So he's going to be honored Friday um, in the in the Senior Day festivities. Um, one would expect um, it's his choice if he wants to walk in that ceremony. I, Frost has said he encourages him to do that, um, and I think Martina, Martinez is going to get um, an ovation that is for the ages um, at Memorial Stadium, and, and he should. Um, the the, the win loss record is not anywhere near what Nebraska um, wants or expects, um, but what he's left on the field, um, it ranks up there with any player in the history of this program. Exactly, and and that's that's something that I think people it's some, some for some fans it's hard to separate the victory, you know, from oh you know some people are legendary because of all the wins, but then you look at those worthy competitors, and he certainly is one, and he should be revered. Uh, and Iowa basketball has kind of a parallel right now, I think, with Nebraska football and that, that not, not that it had the same heights, but it was a different program 20 years ago than what it is today. And a lot of that was Steve Alford and then Todd Licklider. And then, you know, Fran has, has done a nice job of building it back up, but, but it, it was at a different level. And, and I think some of the players – uh, I compared it years to a, a guy named Jared Cole, who was kind of in the Todd Licklider era, which was so bad Iowa basketball wise, but yet was just a great captain, tore his ACL, came back, and then let him do a great upset in his final game. And, and I think uh, that resonated with a lot of Iowa fans too. Like, okay, I got it. And, and so I, I agree with you. Around the Big Ten, there is a lot of admiration for Adrian Martinez. I hope Nebraska fans feel the same way and can separate the, the team success from the personal perseverance that he put through to get there. But, but that said, uh, that only carries you through the tunnel walk and everybody walking to midfield and hugging their parents. Uh, what do you expect from the Huskers offense on Friday against the, against the Hawkeyes? 
Well, they're going to go down swinging. Uh, they're not going to go into a shell with Logan Smothers, who's not started a game, throwing just 11 passes in his career. I mean, look, this team's three and eight. So what are you playing for? You know, you're playing to win. You're playing to, to beat a rival program. You're playing to try to generate some momentum, um, whatever is, is there to be generated for December and January in this program, which is a, a really important time because Scott Frost has to go out and hire an offensive coordinator, has to hire three other assistant coaches at least. That's if the, the rest of the staff stays intact. He's got to do something to uh, to reverse the negative momentum that has occurred in recruiting. And you talk about Penn State having the number one recruiting class in the, in the country. Well, Nebraska's dead last in the Big Ten, um, still in single digits in the number of commitments that it's, it's, it's gathered for this 2022 class. And it's expected to be a small class, but um, look, you, you got to get talent into the program. And they're going to go into the transfer portal and try to find that, maybe, maybe try to replicate what Mel Tucker and Michigan State did a year ago. But that's... Uh, you know, that's 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 another tall task. You know, uh, the Spartans caught lightning in a bottle, I think, with with Kenneth Walker and um, some of the other transfers who came in and impacted that program. And I don't know if you can go out and, and, and expect to do that if you're Nebraska here this winter. But, um, you know, all of that plays into Friday. There's a lot on the line and they need to find a way to, to reverse this this trend that has has happened, not just with this team, but with this program. Nebraska can set a, an all time FBS record on Friday if it loses by eight points or fewer. It would be the first team in major college football history to lose eight games by one score in a single season. Um, right now, there, there are nine who have had that happen um, uh, it's seven times, and Nebraska is in that group through its, through its 11 games this year. So um, that's a lot to put on Logan Smothers' shoulders, um, but I do expect that Nebraska is going to, to – um, to try to take some shots offensively. Um, it's what, that's what happened against, against Wisconsin. And they're, they're, they're not just going to go into a shell, in, in part because there aren't running backs in the program right now um, to lean on. So you're going to have to lean on Smothers a little bit, on, on Austin Allen, the tight end, who announced on Tuesday night that this is the end for him. He's a fifth-year junior, won't be coming back for his senior year. He's going to get an opportunity, I think, to play in the NFL after setting the single-season Nebraska uh, tight end receiving record. Um, he's a weapon, um, somebody that Iowa's going to have to pay attention to on Friday. So uh, the Huskers have receivers who can stretch the field. Um, we'll see if they have a quarterback who can get him the ball. Yeah, they do. Uh, and I think that's something that uh, is a really fascinating matchup is how Iowa's secondary, which uh, is, has been adept at taking the ball away, leads the country with 21 interceptions, how it competes against uh, you know, a really good receiving core. Uh, you know, I, I like Samari Toure. I like Omar Manning. Austin Allen's been terrific as a tight end. I would say after the Trey McBride from Colorado State is probably the best that they've seen all year, and that includes Charlie Kohler uh, from from uh, Iowa State. So they've got some weapons in the pass game that I think can, you know, plus what, Z is Xavier Betts uh, still around? Is What about, He's still what about around. the local guy? <laughs> what about uh, Oliver Martin? I mean, is is he mm. what has he done since the opener, really? All right, yeah, this will be an interesting subject for you and, and Iowa listeners. Oliver Martin, um, I know, is shocking to a lot of people. Is is uh, I think he's uh, in the doghouse a bit after um, after the Wisconsin game. So Martinez comes out to play the second half, and you know clearly he's he's hurting, um, got that shoulder uh, hanging down. Um, they're testing the arm to see if he's got the strength in it to to go out and play. Uh, the expectation at the end of the first half, when Smothers came in to play the final two plays. Um, was that that was going to be it for Adrian um, because Smothers burned his red shirt at the end of the end of the first half. Of course, last year didn't count um, for him as a red shirt because of COVID. So he's a true freshman um, by the eligibility standards this season and had played in four games before Wisconsin. So um, he comes out, takes two snaps at the end of the first half, and there it goes. There's his red shirt. That's the fifth game. So you think Martinez must be done. Um, they wouldn't put Logan Smothers in, take two snaps, and then, uh, and then bring Adrian back in the second half. But lo and behold, he started the third quarter, played the entire second half. Um, teammates need to pick you up in, the, in that moment. And Martinez threw two interceptions in the second half. Um, the first one was a, a pass intended for Oliver Martin down the middle of the field. And Martin uh, did not make the best effort to go get the ball and basically just watched a Wisconsin safety um, Colin Wilder step in and, and pick that thing off. So uh, he got an earful from Scott Frost. Uh, Martin did as he went to the sideline. Um, it was not uh, his finest moment at all. He's kind of fallen off a bit this year. Started the season as 
Um, perhaps Martinez's top target back in that Illinois game in August and um, went through an injury situation and, and just hasn't gotten himself back into the playing rotation. So um, I don't necessarily expect him to be a big part of this game plan. Um, it's going to be Toure. It's going to be Austin Allen, the tight end. Um, it's going to be Omar Manning, the big um, NFL caliber uh, wide receiver who, who is also in his first year as a contributor in this program. Um, it could be Xavier Betts, the, the, the local kid, the, the, the former high school teammate of Keegan Johnson um, at, at Bellevue West in Nebraska, uh, who, who was uh, the intended receiver on the, the fourth down pass that, um, that uh, Nebraska fans and I think a lot of impartial observers feel that pass interference should have been called um, the final offensive play for Nebraska. Um, down by the goal line uh, against Wisconsin in that seven-point loss. So um, there are weapons. Um, I don't know necessarily know if uh, if uh, Oliver Martin is uh, is one of those weapons that uh, Hawkeye fans can expect to see on Friday. I mean, a controversial call went against the Wisconsin's opponent in Madison. I've never seen it that. It did before. happen. Yeah, I've never it seen did that happen. happen. There was. It did, and there was so much talk about it in the immediate aftermath of the game. Um, you know, I. I I saw the play happen and I was upstairs, you know, on the eighth floor um, of that press box and there's no elevator uh, access to be able to get down. I'm, 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 uh, I'm including our listeners in all of the, uh, uh, the stuff that happens for us writers at the end of game. So I got to take the ramp down um, with like 20,000 fans. And there's all of this controversy swirling um, on Twitter at this moment about it should have been pass interference, should have been a flag. Everyone is, is looking at the replay um, I, I'm oblivious to this I, I, at, at the end of the game until I get to the interview room at the at the base of Camp Randall in the field house and I see on some phones um, the replay and it was egregious. Um, it was um, Fayon Hicks, the, the Wisconsin corner. Um, he just ran into Betts, um, just just raked his arm across the front of Betts well before the, the pass from Martinez got there. Now, um, it was an underthrown ball, and I think that probably factored into the decision uh, of the uh, the official not to throw the flag there. But still, uh, there's no criteria in a uh, in a pass interference decision about whether the ball was poorly thrown um, or not. It wasn't uncatchable. Let's just put it that way. It bounced right off the two of them um, and fell to the turf. If that had been ruled a penalty, I think this should be mentioned. It's not a touchdown. It's not the ball at the two-yard line. It's not an easy play for the end zone. It's half the distance. So the ball goes to the 11 and you got four seconds to try to throw to the end zone and then get a two point conversion to win, which Scott Frost told his team before that possession that Nebraska was going to go for two if it scored. So um, probably still a loss for Nebraska and Madison, but it sure would have been nice to see Martinez and the Huskers get a shot um, with one more play from the 11 to throw to the end zone. Uh, it only would have been fair. But um, as you mentioned, uh, those, those things tend to happen at Camp Randall. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. 
Iowa has its own injury situation on the defensive side of the ball that will impact what happens against Nebraska. And that is Matt Hankins, probably their top defensive back is out with a hamstring. I don't think he'll be back this season. Uh, he didn't, he could barely walk out for his own senior day. He's definitely out for this one. If Iowa happens to luck into a trip to Indianapolis, he won't play there either. And because he's a fifth year guy with five years of starting experience, I would highly doubt that he would uh, jeopardize any kind of NFL career to go play in a bowl game. So uh, it's a kind of a unfortunate end for a very, very good player for Iowa who came back. We had NFL opportunities, probably a borderline draft pick last year, now is solidly a, a draft pick, uh, an All-American caliber guy. Riley Moss on the other side was out several weeks with a torn PCL and his left knee doesn't exist anymore. Uh, is, is playing with a brace is playing. Well, he has a decision to make after this year as to whether or not he comes back or not. My suggestion to him would be to come back because I don't, you know, he was beforehand eh, kind of a marginal guy, but Jack Kerner didn't play a safety last week with an injury. I think he does come back and Dane Belton now is tied for the big 10 lead with five interceptions uh, has really been playing well out of that cash position that uh, a lot of players have done you know, well for Iowa in recent years. So uh, the back end is a little banged up, but capable of disrupting the passing game just because of the way the angles they take on these routes. And uh, as you know, we've got, you've got Kayvon Merriweather back there and a couple other guys, Jamari Harris will make his, I want to say his fourth start this year uh, is playing better. And then, but and then the linebackers for Iowa, which are as good of a tier as you'll find. Jack Campbell um, had a pick six last week. He had a fumble return for a touchdown against Iowa State. He's had uh, you know, multiple big-time games. He had 17 tackles against Minnesota. Uh, he's one of the best players in the Big Ten on that side of the ball. And then Justin Jacobs, who really does a good job as kind of their outside linebacker who plays in space. He can defend the tight end. He can't even defend slot receivers, but then, you know, hits just like an inside linebacker. So I, I think Iowa is positioned, but I also think that Nebraska is capable of, uh, if, if they have time to throw, Smothers has time to throw, of uh, completing some passes against the secondary. Yeah, Nebraska did a, did a nice job against Wisconsin in uh, adding some extra protection to its offensive line, uh, bringing in an extra tight end, uh, or an extra running back to uh, to help with pass protection. And, and Wisconsin uh, did not get to Martinez in the way that I expected. That's a fierce pass rush, and, and he stayed pretty clean um, despite suffering that injury on a, on a – this kind of a strange play at the end of the first half. He didn't get hit, just kind of fell to the ground at the end of a pass play, and there went the shoulders. So um, I would expect Nebraska to do something similar, you know, while still taking some shots with Logan Smothers. I think they're going to do something similar in trying to keep um, the heat of that Iowa pass rush off, off of him. How, um, you know, as we wrap this thing up, how, how do you see this thing, this thing going Friday? What's uh, what, what kind of prediction do you have? Well, before the Adrian Martinez situation, I mean, I was really circling. I, I'm like, I could see it any kind of scenario. I could see kind of like a blister where uh, <laughs> Nebraska finally pops and, and blows out Iowa, for instance. And then I could also see a scenario where Iowa does the same thing where, all right, they've had enough of these close games. Let's just take it to them. Um, and then we've seen it in recent years, some really close hard fought competitive games. I don't, I think both teams will play at a high level or as hard as they can because Iowa still has a lot to play for. I mean, Iowa, again, they could go 10 and two. That could be their first 10 win season in the regular season since 2015 and what seventh overall. So that, that's a really important marker for this program. And plus if they win, they put all the pressure on Wisconsin to beat, you know, one of their other rivals in Minnesota. And they got a chance to go to Indianapolis, which is something that I think before the season, obviously they wanted to do and, and midseason they thought they were going to do. And now it'd be kind of a, uh, you know, quite the accomplishment. So I guess I've seen so many close losses for Nebraska and so many close wins for Iowa. I'd probably swing towards the Hawkeyes and in, in some sort of a, you know, record for the Nebraska Cornhuskers in a, in a, and a marker for the Hawkeyes and something in the neighborhood of, uh, 24, 20 Iowa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think it's going to be something similar to that. 
Um, I picked Nebraska to win early in the week, um, you know, wrote about it, uh, was, was bold with my prediction. It's going to happen for Nebraska. I don't generally do that. Um, I don't like predictions, to be honest with you, because I think we just, you know, often end up looking dumb when we make them. But uh, um, that was before the Martinez news. Um, you know, it totally changes my, my outlook on the way this game goes. But I, I'm not going to I'm not going to change. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to keep my integrity and, and, and say that I I think Nebraska is going to find a way somehow like. I don't know, 17 to 13 or something like that. Um, it, it's, it's more just like a pick because I feel like karma owes this to Nebraska. And it would just be such a strange thing after all of these close losses with Martinez in charge for him to be on the sideline and then for Nebraska to win a close game. So um, because football gives us strange things and, and, and unusual moments uh, so often, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that pick and say that's what happens for Nebraska on Friday. Okay. You know, going into this season, I thought that I completely thought the same way you did when Iowa went to Iowa State. I thought, all right, this is the time. Iowa State has its best team. It's it's in Ames. It's they've got to break through one of these days, right? Every all the focus is on this game, the series, and then it went the other way. So it's it's weird. I kind of changed my thoughts on this on the karma after after watching that happen. Uh, but you know, kind of before Adrian Martinez went down, I was. I was on that side of, okay, this is probably when the, the clock strikes midnight for Iowa. But uh, but at the same time, anything can happen, as we've seen, you know, because I think the last couple of years, Iowa has been the better team, and yet they've still been very competitive close games. So I think this is, uh, this is going to be a really fun matchup either way. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in person in the press box. And I don't know if, we, if we're wearing masks over there. I don't know what the mandate is in Nebraska. And, uh, what what do you guys have to do in, in the, the press box there? Bring your mask for the press box. Um, I think you'll be uh, you'll be safe uh, without it if you uh, um, if you want to wear it. If, if you're uh, if you're in Omaha, um, Lincoln has a mask mandate. Uh, Omaha does not, but you're going to need it in the press box. So be safe on your on your travels. Um, I hope you get uh, some semblance of a of a Thanksgiving dinner um, and uh, um, that we get a a good game on Friday. Absolutely. And as always, we'd like to thank all of you for listening and, uh, and give us uh, give us a few stars, give us five stars, like Ari Wasserman's favorite uh, prospects. So for Mitch Sherman, this is Scott Dockerman. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And we will talk to you again next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.